our brokenness, and Jesus meets our deepest needs. And so today we look at um, the passage from Luke 5, verses 17 to 26. It may be a familiar story to some of you, and for some of you it may be the first time you've ever heard this story. But God meets our needs. And it's the story of the man who was paralyzed being brought before Jesus. And um, even as we've heard from Teen Challenge, they've shared about some of their needs and some of their brokenness. Um, I want to continue on and talk to you about my life for a moment. Sometimes as pastors, maybe you... um, Pastor Sam was talking about a labor of love, right? And so sometimes people elevate their pastors and they have a, um, an unclear picture about what our lives are and have been like. Um, but we all have brokenness. Maybe it's not the same brokenness, but we all have needs. We all have that deep, empty hole. And I want to tell you that, um, and this is a little hard to talk about, but I want to tell you, just as they were candid and shared, I've faced some things. I wasn't paralyzed on a mat. But some of the circumstances of my life left me very helpless and feeling very, um, very broken and not sure where the hope was going to come from. Uh, one of those things was that I had a learning disability. And so I just about, it just about took me out of school because I struggled, I struggled to learn, uh, particularly foreign languages. And pastors need to learn foreign languages. And so um, I felt like I was on the mat, and what could I do? Back when I was experiencing my first pregnancy, well, actually, my first pregnancy ended in a miscarriage. My second pregnancy, I had severe liver problems. And again, felt like completely hopeless unless the Lord did something. What would I do? I might um, even, it might mean that I would lose again my second child and my third child because I had liver problems both times. Very, very difficult. But one of the most um, pressing and long-standing needs that I've had and one of those things that has kept me kind of paralyzed is this sense of inadequacy. I can't measure up. I can't do things well enough. And so, I don't know about you, but if you've had this narrative, this is the narrative in my mind, is I can't do it. I won't be able to do it well enough. I can't do it good enough. And when God asks you to do some things like stand up in front of people and speak, um, right, that's not a good good problem to have. But um, I've gone to counseling. I've done assertiveness training. I've done many, many things, tried to rationalize, tell myself some good positive self-talk, and those things were not helpful. And um, this thing was getting very debilitating in my life. Now, that was some of my needs, some of my paralysis, so to speak. When we look out at people, we think we're the only ones that have these problems. Nobody else has them, right? But when we look across a room or when we're in a gathering, there's everybody's got something. Everybody's got some needs. Everybody's got some brokenness, something they're dealing with. And it's tough and it's hard. And maybe it's an insecurity like mine. Maybe it's a sense of longstanding rejection. Maybe it's something um, like an addiction that just every time you do it, you're going down further, you're going down further, you're going down further. Maybe it's something that's been done to you. Maybe it's by your own doing that you end up in this broken state, in this state of need. And so today, 
What do we do with our needs? What do we do with these things that keep us incapacitated in life? And how does God meet us at our point of need? Well, I think we can learn a lot of things from looking at the man on the mat and his friends in the story of Jesus from Luke chapter 5. And I've gotten up here without my reading glasses. So Luke chapter 5. And we're going to be looking starting at verse 17. If you'll read along with me. um, One day, as he was teaching Pharisees and teachers of the law, who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. That's a good place for an amen if you did it like that, right? The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. This is the word of the Lord. I pray that every time we come to church that we'll leave here saying, We have seen remarkable things today. Oh, God is good, and his word is good, and he has a good message for each one of us today. I want to look at this message through the eyes of the man on the mat, okay? So here's this man on the mat. And he needs a miracle. He's paralyzed. Friends, I don't know if you've ever had somebody or known somebody that was paralyzed, but the trajectory of their life is bed sores, quite likely infections and pneumonia, very, very much boredom, because what can they do? He needed a miracle. He needed a miracle. He was not going to get better on his own, and he knew it. He was powerless. Even if he had heard of Jesus, he could not get himself to Jesus. He was laying on a mat. He could not move his arms. He could not move his legs. He could not get himself where he wanted to go. He was powerless to help his condition or to pursue even getting help on his own. Now, I don't know about you, But sometimes it's hard to let other people help. He let other people bring him to Jesus. 
And that takes either desperation or it takes great humility or some combination thereof because it's hard to let other people help you because we all have this sense of wanting to help ourselves, but he could not help himself. And he, he had to let other people, he had to let his friends take him to see this man, Jesus. Now I want you to think about it through the lens of the friends. All right, think about this situation from the friends' point of view. They had to recognize they couldn't fix the guy. Now, with paralysis, maybe it's a little easier to come to that conclusion and we come to it a little faster. But we all look at people and situations and we think, well, I could just help. If I just do this, I'll help. I, I could probably fix this situation. There's something in us that wants to fix ourselves. We want to fix other people. But they had to come to the realization they could not fix their friend. They also, we've learned that they believed that Jesus could heal. As you remember, we've been going through this series on Luke, and so in last week's sermon we learned about Jesus healing the leper, right? The one that had to go forth saying, unclean, unclean, and Jesus made him clean. And maybe they had heard that story, or maybe they had heard some other good stories about what Jesus was doing and the power that he had to heal. And so they had faith. And they believed, and their actions spoke that they believed because nobody spends the time to carry somebody that's dead weight on a mat. It wasn't like he was on a stretcher being rolled over there, right? They had to carry him. They had to carry him. And then when they got there, it was so crowded, they couldn't even get up close, and they couldn't even get in with him, and they had to go up on the roof, all right? They had to use their muscles They were spending 100% of their energy, then taking the tiles off the roof. I can't even imagine this. Can you imagine somebody coming through the roof? Because it was so crowded at Gold Avenue Church because there's such good news that they're coming through the roof because they want to meet Jesus. All right, friends, they wanted to meet Jesus that day. They wanted their friend to be in front of Jesus, and so they did it. They used 100% of their energy, not trying to fix him themselves, but taking him to the one who could fix him. They didn't let their fears get in the way. They didn't let their feelings get in the way. You're going to hear more about these Pharisees and the teachers of the law. But these were, um, you know, like if we had some dignitaries, if we had some, you know, whatever we might consider really important people from the seminary or whoever they might be. But there were people watching, and they didn't let that hold them back. They didn't let fear of man hold them back because They had a friend, they loved that friend, and they wanted him to be helped. And the only possible way that they thought that they could get help for their friend is that they brought him right to Jesus. And they didn't let their fears or what people would think get in the way of bringing him boldly before Jesus. Now, I want you to think about this story from the viewpoint of Jesus, through the eyes of Jesus. You know, he didn't scold them for making a mess. I mean, taking the tiles off and coming through, there would be insulation dropping down. There would be a mess, right? If we were digging into the ceiling and coming through. Jesus didn't scold them for their boldness. In fact, we find in Scripture, he welcomes boldness. He likes boldness. He encourages us to pray bold prayers. And they were bold actions they were taking to bring their friend. I don't even know how they lowered him down without dumping him. Everybody's rope had to go down at the same time. They coordinated it somehow. They got him down there, right? 
And so there he is. Jesus welcomes their boldness, and he's looking for faith. And he sees the faith of their friends. He sees their faith. How does he know that they've got faith? Well, first of all, it was a gift from God, so God gave them faith. But he sees that their actions are saying, they're speaking louder than words. Their actions are saying, we believe you can do something about this. We believe you can do something about this, Jesus. And so they're looking, Jesus is looking for faith, and he sees it. He spots it. And when he sees their faith, he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. He didn't say friend to the guys on the roof. He was looking straight at the man on the mat. And he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Jesus heals the man spiritually. He says, friend. Do you know that that's that longing that you guys were talking about, that deep, deep longing, that emptiness? We need to hear the word friend, that God loves us. He calls us friend. That changes everything. That changes the narrative of our lives if we know that God calls us friend. And he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. He says friend in front of everybody else, so everybody else knows that this is a friend of Jesus. Oh, I didn't know you were friends with this man. I didn't even know you knew this man, Jesus. Oh, friend, friend. He speaks friend. He says, your sins are forgiven. Well, like I said, this man was paralyzed. His arms and his legs didn't work. But even more incapacitating than a physical um, condition like this is our spiritual condition. We can't fix our problem with sin. Sin separated us from God. Sin separates each one of us from God. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Our greatest need is to have our sins forgiven. And Jesus looks right at him and says the most important thing. He says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Past, present, future, your sins are forgiven. He, Jesus heals him spiritually. And then there's the skeptics in the room. And we're not going to talk so much about the skeptics today, but the skeptics were thinking, who does he think he is? Because only God can forgive sins. And we just heard Jesus say that he, his sins were forgiven, and so Jesus is blaspheming. Jesus is speaking something that's not true. He's acting as if he's God. This is what the skeptics are thinking. And so what does Jesus do? He says, would it be harder to do something that's invisible or something that's visible? Well, nothing's impossible with God, right? And so Jesus says, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he goes on and he says, okay, take up your mat, get up, take up your mat and go home. Jesus speaks something to let them know. Why did he heal that day? Well, we know that it was God's intent because it, we, told, we were told earlier in the passage, right, that he was present to heal. Does God heal everything? Well, eventually he's going to give us all new bodies. We're all going to be totally physically healed that love Jesus and are, know Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus. But sometimes God's kingdom breaks in on earth and he wants to validate who he is and his message of the kingdom by bringing healing. And he certainly does that this day. He says, take up your mat. Get up. Take up your mat and go home. 
And when Jesus says that, he starts the discipleship process. Because when you are in a relationship with Jesus, God is the one that shepherds you, who gives you the guidance of what to do. And so Jesus calls for a response. He says, get up, take up your mat, and go home. So, right? So this is the first step of discipleship. Well, that guy had to follow God's guidance. And can you imagine after he's had all these years of thinking, I can't, I can't, I can't, and then he hears this, he had to take his first step of obedience, a physical step. He had to get up from laying down, and he had to take up his mat, bend over. People that have been paralyzed don't usually stand up. They don't usually bend over, and they certainly don't usually walk. Even if you just had a bad back injury, it's hard to do those things. So he does this beautiful, impossible thing, but everything's possible with God. And so the man stands up, and he takes these steps of obedience in faith because he couldn't, but he can with Jesus' help. Jesus reveals himself to the world. Remember, there's a crowd. This isn't happening out back privately or in the prayer room. This is happening right in the middle of the congregation, right in the middle of the big house that's crowded with people and all these people are watching. Jesus reveals himself as God, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, and able to forgive every sin. He exposes, he, he makes that known. And what happens? Everybody's amazed. Everybody starts to give praise to God. Everybody starts to say, we've seen these remarkable things. This man was healed right in our midst. This happened, this happened, this happened. This happened. It's a true story. And the Lord wants us to remember this true story because it has implications for our lives. And so what has this meant in my life that Jesus is who he is, that he can forgive sins? Well, certainly it meant that he could forgive my sins and that I am saved. I am his child. He called me friend. He also, as people prayed for me, remember when I was in school and maybe going to have to drop out because things were so bad? And so what happened? People prayed, and the Lord gave me some excellent tutors. And every time I took a test or a quiz, they were like, get back up off the ground. You got beat up. You got back, you know, back down. Get up. Get up. We're going to study again. We're going to study again. And the Lord helped me, and he gave me some great tutors, and he helped me get through and actually do quite well. Okay, the Lord brought healing of my liver. People, my small group prayed for Dane and I and for the baby. The Lord brought healing. I'm so grateful that we have two healthy kids. Now, the sense of inadequacy, what happened with that? I'm struggling. I get anxious. I get up in front of people. I start feeling nervous. I, you know, whatever. You can just imagine it. All right. So some people helped pray for me. Some people gathered around Some people, the Lord brought them back to some things that happened early in my life. So many of you mentioned things that happened early in your life and what your home life was like and how that can impact you, right? Even loving parents, even parents that go to church, sometimes, you know, just some things happen and all of a sudden you feel like you weren't wanted. Or, you know, if you spoke up, you you got punished severely sometimes. You know, things like that happen and they affect us. And they try to say, keep your mouth shut, don't speak, and just push you down, push you down, push you down. And you know what? Those people prayed for me. And I felt, as I was thinking about this scripture, this is what the Lord did. He started to speak friend. He started to speak the word accepted. 
adequate, because I'm adequate not in my own strength and my own abilities, but because of what God can do through me. And if he can do that in me, he can do that in you. All right? Jesus in my life. What does it mean that Jesus is in our church? Well, we talked about, even last week, there were some testimonies of God moving mountains. How did God move mountains? Well, as we pray, what happens? Well, in this past season, this past winter, we prayed for Alita because she was having some eye problems. Remember? We prayed for her vision. She was struggling. She couldn't drive for a while. And did he answer exactly the way we wanted and in the timing we wanted? No, but he was near. He was near. And eventually, she's been able to get her driver's license back, and she can drive again. And we praise God because people come around in our biggest and our greatest needs. Right? You didn't want to lose your license. You know, you wanted to still keep driving because you kept saying, there's more for me to do. I want to serve the Lord. And so the Lord gave her back her driver's license and is helping her with her sight. She isn't the only one. Tommy and Anna, you guys were praying. You're going to have a baby What's going to happen with custody and CPS and and all these things? God moved mountains. I was in the hospital, and some of us were in the hospital with you. God moved mountains. And little baby Hayden is with mom and dad today in church. Right? Every week we're praying. We're praying. We've seen God move. He's answered prayers for physical healing. He's answered prayers for relational healing. He's answered prayers for emotional healing. He answers our prayers. And you know what? He answers them in his own way. But when he's present to heal, boom, God does beautiful work. And we praise God. Jesus on the west side, what does this story mean? Well, I want to tell you what this story means. It means, and I've got permission to share this, Sandy. All right? Jesus saved Sandy. That's what it means. Who? Yeah. Hallelujah. Were, were any of you here on Wednesday for the Wednesday prayer meeting? Raise your hand up high. All right. Who was here? Uh, yeah. Wednesday at noon. All right. So we're here and we're praying, right? We pray on Wednesday. We pray for this community. We pray that the love of Jesus starts to spread and ripple out. Yeah, Sandy, you were here. All right. So um, anyway, so it was kind of like that gathering of the church there where Jesus and it was so crowded. We've been praying that this little room would be so overfilled with people that we'd have to move our prayer meeting out to the sanctuary. Well, get this. There were 11 of us packed in there Wednesday at noon. It was tight, right? It was tight. Yeah. And guess what happened? Well, Vic has known the love of God. Vic has been delivered from alcoholism. Vic has been healed from cancer. Vic has a testimony of Jesus' love, and he starts to spread that good news. And what happens? Sandy has a need. And Sandy's been talking with Vic, and Vic's been sharing. And remember a couple, two weeks ago, I think it was, we talked about Jesus calling us to be fishers of men. Vic's out fishing for people, men and women, right? And so, so... Sandy hears the good news from Vic. Vic texts me Wednesday morning, hey, I've got somebody that wants to confess their faith. I'm bringing them to the prayer meeting. And so anyway, so we get in the prayer meeting, and what happens? Sandy has this hole in her heart, and she talks about this emptiness, and she wants to know Jesus. And Sandy prays, and Vic leads her. 
And all the rest of us, who's raising their hand? We're like the ones holding the rope, right? Because we're all praying. I bet we were all praying, like, Lord, come, because we know this is a beautiful moment. A new birth is getting ready to happen, and Sandy's born again. Hallelujah. This is what God's doing. This is what he's going to keep doing, because we've got good news, because Jesus saves, and he heals, and he forgives. And this is Palm Sunday, when they lined, lined up the roads, and they waved the palms, And they said, Hosanna, Hosanna. And going back to the Hebrew, it means save us, save us. And God invites us to bring our biggest problems and our greatest needs to him because he's come and he sent Jesus. And Jesus saves us.